So are you ready for some more impossible commands? Well, there's no greater concentration of impossible commands than in the three short verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18, where it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, the rejoicing, praying, and, and giving thanks part are not the hard part of these commands. It's the always, the continually, and the in all circumstances parts that gets to us. What's the longest worship service you've ever attended? And, and I don't mean what seemed like the longest <laughs> worship service. I mean, how many hours in a row have you ever spent in praise and worship in a church. One Sunday, on a short-term mission trip in Jamaica, I was invited by the church to preach. See, the pastor had many, many churches, and so he couldn't get to, to every church on every Sunday. And since I was there, they asked if I would preach. Now, they had a song leader to lead the singing and the prayers, and they had an organist to play, and about as many people as we have here, and me, of course. And the song leader started the service at 10 o'clock promptly with singing and praying, and more singing and praying, and more singing and praying. An hour passed, and then the next hour passed. It was 12 o'clock noon, and I had not yet been invited up to preach. Now, the whole service lasted about three hours with me speaking for 20 minutes of it. But that's nothing compared to what happened last month at a college in Kentucky. Did you hear about the Asbury Revival? Or some call it the Asbury Awakening? Asbury is a small college in Wilmore, Kentucky, named after pioneer Methodist Bishop Francis Asbury. Now, there's also a seminary there, and I've I've been to the seminary, as they say, I even uh, bought the t-shirt. And I recruited a number of pastors to come back to Minnesota here, or to come to Minnesota. Uh, it's a, a wonderful school. But what happened a month ago, on February 8th, didn't happen in the seminary, where you might expect a revival to, to burst forth. It happened in the college. And there on, on that day, after the regular chapel service, a handful of ordinary students felt moved to continue worshiping after the service was over. Now, it's kind of ironic that, uh, that they did this because the preacher that day felt that he was a failure. The, the preacher that day, the one that delivered the message, was the assistant soccer coach. And he preached on Romans 12. Remember that? Take your everyday ordinary life and offer it up to God? And he challenged the students to become love in action. But the response that, that he got while he was preaching left him discouraged. He thought he had completely bombed. In fact, afterwards he texted his wife, another stinker. Be home soon. 
But some students stayed in the chapel and kept on worshiping. There was singing and praying and confession of sin and tears and rejoicing. The Holy Spirit was really moving. And other students heard about it. And they joined in. And the worship kept growing. And and with social media the way it is today, others heard about it too. Others in town. Others in other college campuses. In fact, even around the globe, people began to hear about it. And they streamed to the school to take part in that worship. 50 to 70,000 people showed up in that little town, flooded that campus. And they had to use a, a bunch of other buildings for overflow. And the worship kept going night and day for 400 hours. Finally, the school announced that they were drawing it to a close. The crowds had totally overwhelmed that, that poor little town of 3,000 people. And so in the spirit of being good neighbors, they ended the public worship. 400 hours, 16 days straight. But still, not continual, not continual prayer. And not always rejoicing. That's impossible. Eventually, the students went back to class, the visitors went back home, and the town went back to normal. Now, yes, lives were changed. Yes, miracles happened, not the least of which was that college students put aside their phones and video games for 400 hours to give God their undivided attention. But still, it wasn't continual and always. It was 16 days. So what do we do when the Bible is very clear that we are commanded to rejoice always to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. And not just in in 1 Thessalonians. Philippians 4.4 commands us, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And Romans 12.12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What do we do when it seems like God commands us to do the impossible? Well, we can follow the four steps from the book Impossible Commands that we're looking at this Lent. And step one is to be honest. Admit it. I can't do it. I can't do it, God. Yes, some days I can rejoice. Sometimes I am thankful. I can make it through an hour of prayer and worship. Maybe two or three if I have to. 400 seems a bit excessive and continually seems completely impossible. When I was a new pastor, I attended a seminar on prayer because I felt like a failure. We would sing that old hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And I had read about all those great heroes of the faith who spent hours and hours at a time in prayer. Martin Luther once said, if I, fail, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. There is so much business that I can't get on without spending at least three hours daily in prayer. Maybe that's where the phrase, I'm too busy not to pray, came about. 
George Whitfield, who was a contemporary of John Wesley and a great evangelist in America during the first Great Awakening, he also prayed three hours a day at least. An hour in the morning, an hour at, at, at lunch, and an hour in the evening. And even that pales in comparison to the great Scottish preacher John Welch, who was even more dedicated. He spent at least seven to eight hours every day in prayer and Bible study. Now, I struggled to pray 30 minutes at a time. Okay, since so step one is being honest, I confess that I have trouble praying even 10 minutes at a time. I mean, I pray many, many times a day, but I just can't stay focused to do hour-long prayer sessions. It's not sweet hour of prayer for me. Because when I try to stay focused for an hour, it's sweet 10 minutes of prayer and 50 minutes of trying to get my mind back on prayer because it's gone off in some other direction. So I figured the problem was my technique. If I learned the right way to pray, then I'd be able to pray for long stretches of time like the great heroes of the faith. And that's why I signed up for this seminar. And I told the instructor the problems that I was having, and, and he said, pray as you can, not as you can't. If you can't do marathon prayer sessions, then don't. And don't beat yourself up over it. Just pray as you can, not as you can't. In other words, Mark, just admit it. You can't do it. That's step one. Realize it's impossible for you. Step two, then, is to confess. One of the uh, profound aspects of the worship in Asbury's revival was confession. And again, that, that too is a miracle because how many 20-year-olds think that any of their problems in their life are their own fault? I mean, everything is always someone else's fault, right? But you don't have to be 20 years old to think that way. And a hallmark of all revivals is honesty and confession. God, I confess that I spend more time complaining than I do rejoicing. God, I have trouble spending time in prayer with you. I say you're my friend, but I'd rather spend time on my phone than in your word. God, I confess that I am thankful when things are going my way, but when things are difficult, even though I know you're right there with me and you will see me through, even so, I don't really give thanks. So step two is to confess our brokenness, to confess our sinfulness. And then move on to step three. Step three is turn it over to the one for whom the impossible is possible. Say, please help me, God. God, do your work in me. You know, it's not, that, it's not like God doesn't want us to be thankful or prayerful or rejoicing. I mean, do you remember what Jesus prayed for us there at the Last Supper? In John 17, he prays this to the Lord, to God. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. 
Jesus prays that we would have the full measure of his joy within us. And this is not a happiness like the world gives. Jesus says he doesn't give to us as the world gives. This is a happiness that comes from within. This is a happiness that, that doesn't come and go like our worldly happiness does, where our feelings are controlled by whatever happens to be going on in our life, and when things are going great, then we're rejoicing, and when things are going terrible, then we're complaining. No, this is a joy that is so deep, you can rejoice even when things go wrong. It's a defiant joy. A joy like Habakkuk knows. Now, that's actually a book in the Bible, if you didn't recognize that. Um, and uh, his name is pronounced many different ways. This is just an aside. Some say Habakkuk, some say Habakkuk, and some say Habakkuk, which is a little closer to the Hebrew. Uh, however you pronounce his name. He's not the book that, that most people have on top of their list because his life was, was kind of awful. And his world was falling apart. Injustice was rampant and God's people were a mess. And still, he prays, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. You can't manufacture that kind of joy. It's impossible. It's a work of God. Listen to what the Bible says right after commanding us to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. God wants you to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful, and he will do it. So we say, please help, God. Do what you want to do. Do your work in us. And then we step out and do it. That's step four. I call it the Nike step. Just do it. Because rejoicing isn't a feeling. It's an action, really. So start rejoicing. Don't feel joy? That's okay. Rejoice anyway, and God can grow joy within you. Don't feel like singing? Our author, John P. Alcock, says, then sing louder. Just do it with God's help. Same way with praying continually. Can't pray for 30 minutes straight? Well, pray as you can, not as you can't. Ten three-minute prayers is the same as one 30-minute prayer. 60, 30-second prayers are the same thing, too. In fact, once you realize that God is with you 24-7 and that you don't need to travel to Kentucky 
for a 400-hour prayer service in order to talk to God continually, your whole life can be a prayer. Your whole life can be an offering to God and a conversation with God, even when your eyes aren't closed and your hands aren't folded and your mouth's not a-going. Prayer is being with your friend Jesus and realizing it. And that means that you don't have to be talking to be in prayer. I mean, when you're in a conversation with someone that you love, are you doing all the talking? I hope not. You know, when, I, when I'm standing up here, this is the only time I ever talk 20 minutes straight. Right? When I'm talking with normal conversation with my friends, I say a few words, and I listen, and they, and they speak, and I say a few more, and, and sometimes we don't even have to say anything. We just enjoy being in each other's company. It's like riding in the car with Tammy. Sometimes we're talking, sometimes we're singing along to the music, and sometimes we're just sitting there enjoying each other's company. But whatever we're doing, we're aware of each other's presence. And if I talk, she's listening. And if she talks, I'm listening. It's the same way with God. Our whole life can be a prayer if we are conscious of God's presence with us continually. If we remember that we are on a journey together with the Lord. And then the only time we're not in prayer is when we forget that we have a traveling companion. My son Luke was looking through some old family papers uh, last weekend, and he came across something that my grandpa had written about uh, back in his earlier days when he had a young family. It told of how one Saturday night, Grandpa had taken the family into town to see some relatives. Uh, he was a farmer, and in, that, in those days, Saturday night, you went to town once a week. So they went, and they did some shopping, and they stopped to visit some relatives. <clears throat> but then... My grandpa began to experience some intestinal distress. And so he rushed the family back in the car, get in the car, and he sped back home to the farm. Fortunately, he made it in time. But when he got out of the biffy, as he called it, the kids were still standing there, dressed in their coats. And he says, where's your mom? And they said, you forgot her in town. <laughs> now, I have no idea why the kids didn't say something before then. But Grandpa had gotten distracted by the stuff going on inside him, and he'd forgotten that Grandma was traveling with them. Now, it's the same way in prayer. The only time we're not praying is when we forget that we are traveling with God. And yes, it happens. We get distracted by intestinal distress or whatever else is stressing us out in life. And that's why we need help. That's why we need to follow the, the four steps. And so we pray something like this. God, you tell me always to rejoice, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances, but I admit that ain't happening. I find it difficult, impossible, really. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting you want to grow that in me. 
You gave your life so that I could have abundant life, the fullness of your joy. So please help me. Please help me to see you with me always, to talk with you constantly, continually, to rejoice in your company and be thankful in all circumstances because you are there with me. Make my life a prayer, Lord. And let's start today. Let's start now. Do your work in me. We can pray like that. We are commanded to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. On our own, that seems impossible. But we're not on our own because the Lord is with us. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, uh, life is filled with distractions. We are distracted by the things happening in our body. We are distracted by the stuff going on around us. We are distracted by worries, by snowfalls, by our phones. There's so much. So remind us, God, through the whisper of your spirit that you are there, that you are with us. And may we spend our whole life in prayer because we're aware of that. Because we're on this journey together. So Lord, once again, we ask you to do the impossible within us. To enable us to, to pray and rejoice and give thanks. Because you're there with us. Our dear Savior and friend. In whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.
time of Holy Communion, and if you're worshiping with us at home, invite you to take out bread that you might have there, some juice so you can join with us. If you're worshiping here, you'll find a little cup that has uh, on the bottom a little piece of bread and, and then the cup of juice. If you have an offering to support the ministries of this church and the work of God around the world, uh, you can give online on our website or you can also leave an offering in the boxes back here. And if you've brought uh, canned goods and other things uh, for Minnesota Food Share for Hastings Family Service, there's a, a new display right out by the office door. So that's where you can, can leave that. Let us, let us enter into communion now with our Lord. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful that you are with us always and you gave us a sign to remember that. You gave us this holy sacrament of communion. Because when you took the bread and gave thanks and you broke it, and you gave it to those around the table. You didn't give it just to those at the table. You gave it to all those who love you for all eternity. And so we do rejoice and we give thanks that you would give your body broken for us. Take now the body of Christ. Lord, you also passed the cup. You said this is your blood poured out for all of us and that we should remember. We remember the sacrifice that you gave, but more importantly, we remember the love in which it was given. We remember that we are, are cleansed by your sacrifice forgiven by the outpouring of your blood and brought to eternal life, abundant life, a life full of joy through the work that you've done. So take and drink the blood of Christ. Let us pray. 
Lord, thank you for being with us and reminding us through this holy meal of how great your love is, how wonderful your victory is, and how joyful it is to be a follower of yours. Whatever we face this week, Lord, we pray that we might face it filled with your spirit, that we would have a defiant joy, that even if the crops fail and the pens are empty or our cupboards are bare, that yet we will rejoice in you, our Savior. Lord, we, we pray that we don't have empty cupboards, but we know that some do. And we ask your blessing upon our collection of, of food to share. Lord, may, may the people around us and in this community not have to pray Habakkuk's prayer. If we can do anything about it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with us. For going with us on the journey. And for never forgetting about us and leaving us behind. Amen.